0: Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, it's the Friday News Roundup. Producers Megan, Mallory, and I are talking about Coolio, RIP, better internet connection in the Berg, and the Pittsburgh Zine Fair. It's Friday, September 30th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. When we're all on here, all the M's, we need a really, we need a better nickname.
1: This Friday, (laughs) I'm
0: with the backbone of the podcast, producer Mallory Falk. Hello. Hello. hello, And lead producer Megan Harris.
2: Hello. Hello.
0: Coolio. (laughs) There she goes. (laughs) Man, it's been, it's been a rough, since the pandemic started, we've lost a lot of, a lot of really great artists.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's been tough. I didn't know that he was from here or was born here until I was reading all the obituaries earlier this week.
1: I didn't either. I didn't know. Yeah. That <gasps> right. I was wondering, like, did he actually live here for a while? Or is it one of the things where it's like, oh, Julio used the bathroom once in 1991? Like, <laughs> and that's... Therefore, we claim him. Yeah. uh,
2: No, he was born here um, or, well, in Manesson in Westmoreland County. Mm -hmm. From what I read, I think he was here until he was nine, Um, although I think some of that's coming from some of his song lyrics. Um, One of his songs, he says he moved to Compton at the tender age of nine. So presumably he was in Manesson before that. I didn't Manesson. I, I just
0: don't know what brought him to Manesson.
2: Yeah, I mean, I assume presumably his parents. Um, I typically only think of Madison though because they have like that uh zombie makeup school there. Um, and then there was that one weird. Trump rally in 2016, where uh, the now former president spoke in front of all those aluminum trash bales. It's one of my favorite images from an election ever.
1: <laughs> what a thing to be known for.
2: <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, uh, if you're not familiar, Manesson is this like teeny tiny town 40 minutes south of downtown Pittsburgh. It's like one third the size it was when Coolio was born um, in 1963. His real name is artist Leon Ivy Jr., which I also did not realize. Morgan, I know that you You are a little bit of a fan. Malia, are you familiar
1: with any of his songs? I'm a child of the '90s, of course. Ah, I'm familiar with Julio's songs. So I will say the embarrassing thing, though, is that I heard the song Amish Paradise before I'd ever heard Gangsta's Paradise because we are a Weird Al family. Ugh. So it was a really strange order to experience is- those two songs. <laughs> is
2: that a, uh, uh, oh. like, a, you know, we support the tribe kind of thing? or? Yeah, I mean. We're- Weird
0: we- Al is talented and he's also last. His career has spawned decades. How? I guess the support of Mallory's family.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> and and other like Eastern European Jews. Yeah, yeah, I
0: like Weird Al, I like Weird Al.
2: Morgan and I have had more time to talk about this stuff. That's all, I am I'm unfamiliar with your repertoire.
0: Goodness, I remember all these songs and I'm just sad. I, you know, I hate that we wait until someone has passed away to give them their flowers. And uh, we should have talked about Coolio sooner. <laughs>
2: But well, none we of us knew he was from here. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, Wednesday was definitely a real exploration of his discography for me because I think I only really knew the big hits, mm-hmm. which includes "Gangster's Paradise." But Mallory, you brought up "Amish Paradise." I know <laughs> I heard that, but like, I don't really remember it. Mallory and I were talking about this earlier, but I didn't catch that there was beef, I guess, with Weird Al when all of this went down. Um, I thought it was a really funny, like, sort of twist that, like, I guess Coolio was like the one artist that got really, really upset about Weird Al covering and spoofing his stuff.
1: (laughs) But then he went on to regret that.
2: Yeah, yeah, just like Michael Jackson didn't get mad. Yeah,
1: that he was kind of like, okay, no, this was like good hearted and Weird Al did this to lots of like really famous artists and I'm in good company and- this was a little silly to get upset about this. Yeah. Well, he was the he was the intro to Coolio for at least one young Jew. <laughs> <laughs> there
2: you go. Uh, do you all want to know my favorite throwback? Um, I probably heard this song literally hundreds of times, which tells you exactly how old I am, but I had completely forgotten that Coolio was involved in it. What song? Hold on. I'm legit going to play it.
1: Oh, here it goes. Everybody Go and tell Your
2: homeboys and homegirls It's time for and Right the Yes I was so stoked to realize That that was a thing
1: Oh that really unlocked a memory Oh my god I love that show
2: <laughs> You should go back It's it's still a bop too I like it Like the lyric, The lyrics in it are like Really really good It's so cute
0: Yeah almost crip walked It is really good <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, but of course, nothing compares to Gangster's Paradise. Uh, I was looking it up just to see like kind of what the stats were. It has more than a billion streams on Spotify, wow. which I thought was nuts, but I guess doesn't even crack the top 100. <laughs> really? But most, yeah, there's like songs that have like many, many, many billions of streams, yeah. but yeah, that list is also almost all like new artists. Like I still think it's really impressive that a song from 1995. Yeah is like a more than a billion it's crazy
1: so do we know what happened to him like 59 is pretty young
2: yeah i haven't seen anything all the statements that i've i've read or like you know right now cause of death is still unclear have y'all seen more
0: all i saw was that it was possibly it's expected to be a cardiac arrest oh where'd you see that tmz so, I you know, hate to quote T- Look, hate to quote TMZ. <laughs> TMZ called it when Michael Jackson died. TMZ- You're right.
2: You're right. <laughs> you
0: know, they <laughs> have gotten it right sometimes. Yeah.
2: You know, a, a wrong clock is right twice a day. So. <laughs> Uh, Well, um, all we do know, I guess, for sure, for sure, is that he died at a friend's house and his manager put out the statement. Um, And this is just a totally personal observation. But to me, this like at least the news breaking portion of it kind of had the same vibe as when Prince died. You know, like no one was ready for Coolio to die. Like clearly not a single news outlet had an obituary prepared in advance.
0: It's, you know, and it's really been a thing um, since the pandemic, but realistically, I feel like the biggest conversation is like, there's these older stars that are passing away, um, and they're not even that much older, but also, I don't know, I kind of feel like it's also like a larger conversation about Black men got to take care of their health. Um, yeah. Uh, and and- you just never know. I just, it's to die so young. Yeah. Well, a totally different situation. Um, I don't know, still kind of a bummer, though, depending on where you live, Mallory, What's going on on the internets?
1: Yeah, well, you know, for some people in Pittsburgh or across the state who maybe wanted to, like, rush to TMZ to try to get the latest on Coolio, they might have hit a stumbling block because not everyone has good access to high-speed internet. And um, both the city and the state want to change that. But will they? Can they? Do they have the money
0: (laughs) to do that? I don't mean to be a total pile on, but I do feel like my internet has been particularly slow this week. I've gotten a lot of those spinny dials of death and um, I've had to like shut things down or restart it. Maybe I'm just piling on.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, I think this is like a real issue that even, you know, something I'll get into is that even places where there is like accessible internet, um, the connections aren't great in this part of the state. But yeah, so, I mean, I kind of started looking into this topic because the big news here this week is that um, Pittsburgh and Allegheny County just launched this digital equity coalition. um, And the goal is to close the digital divide in our region over the next five years. And so basically, they want to make sure more of our residents have access to high-speed internet and, you know, maybe internet that's not going to cut out every five seconds like you've been experiencing, Morgan. Um, (laughs) So yeah, there aren't like a ton of details on the plan yet. Like I can't exactly tell you how more of us are going to get good, reliable internet. Um, currently, the coalition is coming up with a plan that they'll share sometime next year. And yeah, the idea is to make sh- is to figure out how to make sure everyone has access to afford- affordable broadband mm-hmm. um, and also like the devices and skills that they need to use it.
2: I'm, I mean, you know. Our small beefs aside, with like having like sort of slow internet or like I guess somewhat unreliable internet, do we know how many people like don't have access at all
1: here locally? Yeah. So at um, a press conference announcing the coalition, Mayor Ed Gainey said that across the city and the county, about thirty percent of people over sixty-five don't have access to broadband. Damn. That's um, and a lot. that pres- yeah, yeah, that's pretty high, and that percentage is pretty similar for households that earn less than $20,000 annually. So that's a pretty high percentage. And I feel like it's impacting – those are very specific communities
0: here in Pittsburgh um, that that's impacting.
1: Yeah. I mean, and he called out that this, like, affects, you know, poor folks and people of color much more. But then there's kids. You know, we've got kids, though –
0: though the government has said the pandemic is over, like, it's not over. And, and you know, we've people are still dying, dining. people are still dying, people are still getting COVID. And people are working from home. So is it also yeah. like
1: part of that? Right? Well, you know, part of it also, I mean, I mentioned devices, like, there's also these, these issues with equity, like I was looking at um, WESA's coverage, and they were, you know, citing a bunch of stats from this one study, but including that in our region, like, of Latino residents don't have a connected device outside of a smartphone. So also, even there might be people who have internet access, but talking about doing virtual school or remote work or or some of these sort of like key life functions online, having internet access doesn't necessarily mean you have what you need to be able to like use the internet. Right.
2: it also just costs a fortune around here like i didn't pay internet bills like this when i lived in another part of the country
1: Yeah, and so that same reporting I was mentioning from WESA, like uh, they cited this study that um, almost 90% of customers in southwestern PA pay more than $75 a month for internet service. I do. Can confirm? Yep, yep, (laughs) can confirm. Um, And the national average is 64. So we're paying more than the national average. So, I mean, you're right, Megan, saying like in other places it's not this pricey um and that's still so much less than i thought it would be (laughs) i don't know i feel very ripped off right now yeah (laughs) um another interesting fact i mean getting into morgan you saying getting the spinny wheel of death like the the same study showed that like Internet is actually pretty fast where we are, like our county, Allegheny County, has some of the highest internet speeds in the region. Um, But we also rank pretty high when it comes to the number of households with poor internet connections. So, you know, the speed might be quick when you're on, but how often you're actually able to get on and stay on is a question too.
0: So the city and the county want to make things better, but I don't know, isn't the federal government also trying to improve internet access, that infrastructure bill that... Biden signed last year for funding. What is it for funding broadband? Right.
1: Yeah. So, um, it and it included like the largest ever federal investment in broadband. Um, and so something really interesting. Like, I actually didn't know anything about this until I started looking into it. But, you know, Pennsylvania could get up to one billion dollars from that um, bill to improve internet access across the state. But how much the state gets and where it goes depends on these like federal broadband maps. And apparently they are pretty inaccurate. Um, I learned a lot about this from Spotlight PA. A reporter there named Charlotte Keith has been doing a lot of reporting on this, so We'll definitely link to her work. Um, I've
2: never heard of a broadband map. I haven't either. I was like, no, I I (laughs) I hadn't until take take me to school, Mallory.
1: So the FCC puts out these maps showing where there is access to high speed broadband throughout the country, Um, but the maps are based on self reported data from internet service providers, um, which you know. A little questionable using that as your data. I actually, I was listening to this one expert who came to talk about this on the confluence. um, And he said the federal government doesn't really fact check the providers. So in his words, these maps are pretty much bunk. um, And they like almost certainly undercount how many people don't have, you know, solid internet access.
2: I feel like bunk. That's like a, that's a fun Pittsburgh (laughs) word of a certain era.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I had to include that because it was just so, yeah, such a perfect description. I love it. Um, And and all this is a problem because these like broadband maps determine how much money, how much federal money we get um, and what communities get that money. Um, You know, Spotlight PA described this as a once in a generation opportunity to bring high speed Internet um, both to rural communities. That was kind of the focus because that's where there's, you know, a huge lack of uh, broadband access. But, you know, we can see from the local stats that access is also a problem here. Um, You know, that expert on the confluence fan of the term bunk, said like urban cores also um, have major issues with access. So all of this to say, it's like really important to have accurate data. So what happens now?
2: <laughs> like, do we just sit around and wait for the money?
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) So uh, the FCC is going to release new broadband maps in November. And this time around, local governments can actually challenge the maps if they seem inaccurate. So like if a provider is telling the FCC like, oh, this specific community and like rural PA um, has like this speed of Internet, you know, that community can push back and say, no, we actually don't. Um, So I feel like fighting
2: about maps is something Pennsylvania specifically excels at.
1: That's true. I guess this really is our time to shine. Although (laughs) the state itself is kind of sitting back at like the state could be the one to try to collect all of this data. But at least as far as I could tell from the reporting, it doesn't it seems like right now it's mostly falling to like individual, you know, municipalities. Um, Like Spotlight said, pointed out beaver county has already created its own detailed maps of areas that can't get broadband so it's like at the ready that's Um, a pretty rural place so i can imagine their their internet is yeah shoddy so um but yeah it's kind of gonna it seems like it's gonna depend on these like little local government on these local governments to to try to push back if the map that comes out in november seems inaccurate
0: well from you know digital to analog um I feel like I've been showing my age this entire episode, like we all have, um, and I'm getting ready to do it again. Do any of you remember the popularity of zines when we were younger? Of course.
2: No, honestly, this was not a thing where I grew up, but I would have loved it. I'm so jealous. Oh,
0: man. It was a time. Uh, and it's still a time. So, you know, if you weren't into it, then you can get into it this weekend because it's the Pittsburgh Zine Fair. Um I don't know. There's something so nostalgic to me about a fair. It feels like a
2: scholastic book fair. Just very excited. I'm still picturing like a Renaissance fair every time you say something like this. So I'm going to need you to explain to me what what this is. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. So for our youngins who are listening, uh, a zine is a self-published non-commercial print work that's usually made in small limited batches. So you have to Get them while they're out. And I think that's probably the really cool part. It's very exclusive. Um, but this is actually the first year that the fair has been back since the pandemic. So that's a pretty big deal for, you know, local artists and creators who want to get together.
2: The little newspaper journalist in my heart loves this because it's like, oh, it's it's a print product that's only available for a limited time covering I a very know. specific topic. Sounds familiar. That's, I think that's why
0: I love them so much. I think about zines from, um, do you guys remember uh, Rocket Power? And uh, Regina.
2: Wow, that yes. is another deep cut. <laughs> I never well, uh, watched age. that, but I know what age. you're talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, just showing my age all over this.
1: Nickelodeon story. Lovers
2: Unite yeah. on this one. Yeah.
1: You said it's the first time back since COVID. Um, so, but what's the background? Like, how long has this been around? When did it get started? Yeah, the, they started
0: over 10 years ago in 2011.
1: There was a feminist
0: zine symposium at the main Carnegie Library, uh, where I also found out there's a collection of zines, but they had some local indie cartoonists to help get, you know, organize everything and get them promoted. Um, yeah. S- since they started, though, the organizer said it's grown over the years um, and it still attracts a pretty diverse group of artists and writers, even activists from all over uh, who make zines, because really there's no rule and you can make your zine about anything. Um I have to check out the zines at the library, but I did find some links to the zine uh, workshops where you can also check some out, but if you're interested in starting a new hobby. So maybe we'll put those links in our show notes.
1: That's cool. I really like that. You know, you said how oh, they're kind of exclusive because it's limited edition. Yeah. But it's both like super exclusive, but also super accessible. Like And super personal. Kind of anybody can do it, you don't need a ton of like, you don't need equipment or a ton of material or anything.
2: I was thinking it might be expensive, actually, because like you want to like I don't know make it pretty, but maybe I'm like overthinking this. That would be on brand for me. I actually tried to make a zine
0: during the pandemic, uh, the early stages <laughs> of stage the pandemic. Naturally, you know what I mean. Like I was, I we had nothing to do. You I just soaked so out in my cancer energy. <laughs> you needed like some extra hobby. I love. I this. needed a hobby and I needed an outlet, and um, I did. I hit some roadblocks trying when it came to like printing materials, um even trying to find inspiration for the style because it's not something it is limited and it is you know actual physical hard copy so it's not easy to find zines online
1: um
2: maybe we'll have to make a cinecast scene.
1: yeah I mean I like used to I loved yeah writing short stories and notebooks as a kid like was the nerd who would just like at recess write a short story and then try to do an illustration so maybe I can tap back into that
0: I'd probably cut stuff out. I think I would cut things out from like magazines or books, yeah. and yeah, and make them that way. Um, but wow, yeah, what a, what a memory unlocked! It's yeah, it's not really supposed to be a heavy lift thing. It's not really even supposed to be for profit. It's just a really personal expression of of art or writing um, that you can share with people, and and that's really what the fair is for. So when is that? It's from 12 to 5 on Sunday at the Kingsley Association in East Liberty. It's free and kids are welcome. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. We've had some weird vacation schedules this week, so we've been rolling deep. Uh, thank you to the producers, Megan Harris, Mallory Falk, Natalie Rivera, and Meg Dalton. And if you skipped yesterday's episode on allergies, first of all, shame on you and go back and listen to it. The second of all, we welcomed our new full-time producer elizabeth comma uh francesca DeBecco writes the newsletter benji does our music and i'm your host morgan moody we'll be back on monday with more news from around the city so we'll see you then
1: Another day I can tell the story of when I got my family kicked off AOL, um, <laughs> <laughs> said, some, said some inappropriate things in a Titanic chat room. Um, but anyway... <laughs>
2: Hey there, producer Megan here with an unfortunate correction. You may have heard earlier in this episode, we erroneously implied Weird Al Yankovic is Jewish and a listener educated us. While Mr. Weird has enjoyed great success for bops like Pretty Fly for a Rabbi, he is in fact a practicing Christian. We regret the error.